Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Anyway, so good to be here. You know, um, I, I was praying about uh, what I should speak to you about today. And actually, that's one of those passages where you go, oh, really? Like, doesn't feel like the last Sunday before a festival type of a preach. But I really believe the Lord has put it on my heart. So I'm going to share with you um, from John chapter 4. It's a passage that you all know. And um, uh, and actually, I'm sure that Wayne's preached on it and Josh has preached and many of you know it. But, you know, I'm going to, the Lord told me to do it. So um, if you enjoy it, great. If you don't, it's his fault. Okay, so... <clears throat> Here we go. So I'm going to just talk you through uh, the passage, if you don't mind. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 4. It, it, it's uh, when Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. You see, Jesus is in the business of encounter. And I believe that, that part of our challenge is, is sometimes when we talk about our, uh, our encounter with Jesus, we talk about it in the, in, in, in the past. We talk about it as an event, as opposed to a living daily reality. And my heart is that you would encounter Jesus today. You would encounter him afresh. You would encounter him maybe for the first time or as if for the first time as he reveals himself to you in a new uh, way. I love Jesus. And, and uh, I said to Leonie when she said, what are you going to be speaking about? I said, Jesus, that's what I'm going to be speaking about. Because uh, I, I haven't got anything, anything better to talk about. So John 4, chap, uh, uh, chapter 4 and verse 4 says that. It says, now he had to go through Samaria. <laughs> Already, this is crazy. Already, we're encountering the, 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 the king of the upside down kingdom. You see, Jesus was a Jew. He still is. Jesus was a, was a Jew. Okay? And... The last thing a Jew is going to do is go through Samaria. I mean, literally, the la- I, mean, I mean, you would plan your journey to do anything other than go through Samaria. It, it is just, it is, it's not just that this is a bad area. It's not just that the, the dust would contaminate you. It's the very air of it would contaminate you as if you were a Jew. No, 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 no. You would add miles to your journey, hours and hours, in order to avoid the opportunity to actually not just go through the area, but the the absolute terror of meeting a Samaritan person, making you feel unclean. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't actually go hang out with sex workers or homeless people or even politicians like I had to do on Friday night. You would, you would do everything you could to avoid it unless you're on a mission. Unless you've got a plan. And Jesus had to go through Samaria because he had a mission. And his mission was to meet with this woman. Yeah. This woman. And it says, and so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. You know, the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired as, uh, uh, as he was from the journey, sat down on the well. It was about noon. The, 
the king of heaven was tired and he was thirsty because he was a man. He was God poured into a man's body. And when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Now this is massive. This is huge. This is revolutionary because she's not only a Samaritan, she's a woman. She's a woman. And, and, and not only she is a woman, she's a rejected woman. She's a despised woman. She's the last person that a respectable Jewish man would hang out with. But the most respected of men chooses to hang out with the most disreputable people, doesn't he? Like you. And like me. Stinking sinners. Only redeemed by his grace. Jesus came. This woman who's collecting water in the middle of the day. Women collected water in the early morning because that's the best time. It's the coolest and, and, and she's there because she's not welcome. She's not welcome. You know, when women um, collect uh, uh, um, water in these countries, it's not just common sense. It's also a social act. You know, it's like you hang out with your mates and you, you have a chat. It's the equivalent of a bunch of blokes going and standing in the bar of the pub and talking about football. These women would go out and meet at, at, at the well. You know, um, just recently I was reading um, Water Aid put um, a, um, a well in a village. A village had no water. People had to travel 10 miles to get water and they, they, they built a well there. And, uh, and three days later the well was blown up. By dynamite. So distraught. So they were like, well, you know, we're going to do it again. They did it again. And they blew it up. And it got blew up. And it got blew up three times. And eventually, they actually, they, they actually put cameras on it. And they, they saw the fourth time the well blew up. It was a group of women who blew the well up. And the reason, yeah, and the reason was because the 10-mile walk was the only time that they had freedom from the, from the oppressive men that they lived with. It was so significant was that act of collecting water. And this woman is actually rejected from it. She's, a, she's an outcast because truth to tell, when these women met and, and had a little chat, she might have been the sort of person that they would have had a chat about. Yet Jesus says, I see you. I see you. And he still says that today. He's still, his eyes are still roaming and saying, I see you. Just, just look at me and you'll see, I'm staring at you. I'm inviting you in. Jesus has been on a journey. And he looks to meet with her. And today he looks to meet with us. We, we did nothing to deserve it. And that is why his grace is so amazing. Do you know what? I just was thinking about this the other day. I think that phrase, amazing grace, I think I've just be, it's begun to trip off my lips. But just in the last few weeks, I've just been reminded just how amazing grace 
is. Just how undeserved I am of receiving of it. And I just think it's something, I was 60 earlier this month, and I just thought, do you know what? For the rest of the year, I just want to keep reminding myself about how amazing His grace is. It's not about how good we are, and it's all about how good He is. <laughs> the, 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 the Samaritan woman, uh, she says, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For as I said, Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is about to ask you for a drink, you'd have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, there's something about this, which we know the woman doesn't quite get. You know, he's offering a living water. She doesn't quite understand what it is. And, and yet we know, don't we? We know because we're on, we're on this side of the cross and the resurrection. We know what the living water is. We know that we can go to him and that we'll never thirst again. We know that it's available to us now. If you're dry... And I know that in any sort of gathering of this sort of size, there are some people who are here because they're well disciplined and well done for coming. Well, they know that they come to church on Sunday, but actually, honestly, they're feeling dry inside. Jesus today wants to offer you living water. He wants to meet with you again by the power of his Holy Spirit. He wants to refresh you. He wants to renew you. He wants to revive you. He wants to refresh you. He wants to give you his living water. He wants to give you so much of it that it's pouring out of you so other people can experience it again. Is anybody thirsty? Come and he will fill you. You can drink at his living water. She says to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. How can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself uh, and did also his sons and his livestock? (laughs) I want to say to you, um, one of the things I've done a lot over the years is I've told people about Jesus. Uh, And you know, quite often what happens is people, I don't know, it's a bit weird, they, they kind of object to it. They say, think, oh, well, if God is true, what if, da, 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 you know, yeah. you know uh, what about cancer? What about suffering? What about, what about, I've realized these things. It's all irrelevant. Whatever their objection is, is not what they really mean. You know, they'll say, well, if God is true, or whatever happened to the dinosaurs? And like, I go, okay, let's just imagine for a minute, I can answer that question for you. I can give you all the proof that you need. I can do it in a half an hour. I can answer that question. At the end of it, will you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Almost always they'll say, well, no, that's not. No, I'm just trying to get in your way of telling me the truth. So, you know, uh, uh, as Wayne said, I I, I set up Cardiff Street Pastors. And and the thing that people would say, you know, you'd be helping people and you're just just loving them. And then they say, oh, well, you know, I don't believe in any of this stuff. You know, it's all ridiculous. And very often in people's drunken state, I would say to them, do you know what? We could answer all those questions, I guess. We could spend time doing that. But what's the real issue? What's the real issue? And people would say things like, Oh, my mum died of cancer last week. You're like, not, it doesn't matter about Adam and Eve at that point, you know, or evolution. Her mum died of cancer. What she needs is somebody just to love on her and just say, do you know, 
I just don't really get it. I don't really fully understand it myself, but I just know that Jesus is weeping with you as well. I don't have all the answers, but I, I know a man who does, and he's... His name is Jesus. And so this woman, she's, she's putting all these objects. Oh, hey, you don't have a bucket. You don't have anything. You're like, you, 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 you've nothing, you nothing. Get the water out with. And it's Jesus is going, that's not really the deal, is it? It's not really the deal whether I've got a bucket or not. I want to give you living water. Everybody who drinks this water will be thirsty again. And whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You know, one of the reasons that we want to introduce people to Jesus is, 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 is for their benefit. But it's not for their benefit. It's the benefit of their family and their community and the nation of the nations. Because we know that the, the thing about the kingdom is it multiplies. Yeah. It multiplies. Uh, my friend Daniel Eduardo, you'll, you'll have met, some of you will have met him. He's six foot seven. He's Portuguese. He's, he's incredibly handsome. Well, we're like brothers, you know. So he, he, his mom, his mom. Uh, was a, a successful businesswoman in London, young woman, and a friend of hers um, said to her, hey, come along, I'm going to this thing tonight, and I want you to come with me, and it turned out to be a Louis Palau um, crusade uh, in London, and she gave her life to Jesus that night, and uh, then eventually she ended up marrying a missionary, and then eventually uh, Daniel was born, and Daniel joined uh, our Message Academy, and then he joined one of our bands, and he's one of our most um, expansive and prolific evangelist. And now he's working on Festival Manchester, all because his mom accepted an invitation from a friend who said, come along to a festival. Because it's generational, and, it, and, 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 it, and now all his family, all his family have actually accepted Jesus. Because when you drink from the water of eternal life, it, 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 it um, bubbles up from within you. And the woman says, oh my word, give me this water so that I will never get thirsty and I won't have to come here and keep to draw water. And he says, that famous phrase, go call your husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus, uh, who, who knows all things, we can't hide anything from him. We sometimes think we can. We think, don't we? We have that like kind of idea that we go, well, you know, I'll do this and I'll, I'll also do that. Like Jesus doesn't know. He knows everything about us. We can't have a split's life, can we? You might be able to fool me. You might even be able to fool the pastor. You probably can't fool the pastor's wife, but that's a different story altogether. <laughs> but, but you can't fool Jesus. See, he knows it. He gets it. He understands it. And he said, no, you, you have got to, husband. In fact, you've had five husbands. And the man that you're with now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. You can imagine that the sort of things that these women who met at the well said about this woman. But I want to give you a different perspective. I want to give you a slightly different perspective. Do you know, one of the possible reasons, can't prove it, but I just want to put it out there, one of the re possible reasons that this woman had five husbands was that she was unable to bear children. You know, if you couldn't bear children, uh, uh, during those times, your husband would just say, well, that's it. We don't need to be married anymore. That's, there's no, no big divorce. No big, it's not a big deal. Like you, you, that's it. 
Maybe this woman has been just rejected. Maybe she's not the sinful woman. Maybe she's not this prolific offender. Maybe she's a victim. And do you know what? Either side of it, Jesus comes to meet with her. Whether she's a prolific sinner or whether she's, a, uh, she's, she's been more sinned than sinning. Jesus comes to meet with us, and that's good news for all of us. Because whether you are the sort of person that does a lot of bad things, or the sort of person that's had a lot of bad things done to you, Jesus loves you, and he accepts you just as, as you are. He doesn't want to leave you there. He doesn't want you to stay as you are. Of course he doesn't. He wants you to have your best life. But he accepts you just as you are. And she says, <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? My, somebody said that to you. Like reading your life like a magazine. You'd be like, Oof, I can see you're a prophet. Our ancestors, worship, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. I want to say, again, a little bit of another random objection. I mean, like this guy is like reading this woman's life. And she's like, oh, I'm a bit confused by this. It's like... Just keep talking to people about Jesus. Don't worry about the objections. Just keep telling them. You know what? You will never, ever um, be beaten by an argument if you've got an experience. You can say all you like. You can object to my faith as much as you like, but I know it's true. You know, the reason that I know Jesus is alive is because I spoke to him this morning. The woman Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. First of all, I want to say to you, one of the things I'm excited about Festival Manchester is we're going to have all these people that are just coming for a free festival. We keep telling them it's about Jesus, but they're not reading that. They're reading Funfair, Bouncy Castle, the, um, Battle of Britain, Flypast, or whatever it is. But, they, but actually, they're, they're going to hear about Jesus. Because here's the thing. They're all worshipping something. Yeah. Everybody's worshipping something. Everybody's wor- This woman was worshipping something. We want them all to encounter Jesus. And, 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 and Jesus then says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipper the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Now I've got to tell you that I just read that in the most boring way that I could. Because otherwise we wouldn't get very much further. I'm going to take another pass at it, okay? Yet the time has come in and has now come. It came then, at that moment, Jesus said to this woman, there's a time coming and it's come now. You just experienced it. You are living under an open heaven where true worshippers, and you're about to become one, we know how this story ends, are going to worship God the Father in spirit and in truth. I want to say to you, I think one of the problems with the church in the 21st century is we haven't got it right. Oh, Gary, that's not very prophetic. That's obvious, isn't it? But the tr- Because true worshippers worship in spirit and 
in truth. I want to make that fairly simple. I know it's more complicated than this, but let's just say for a minute that truth is this Bible. Let's say this is the truth. Uh, Jordan Peterson, who's a clinical psychologist, says, not only is the Bible true, but it's the thing that proves that truth exists, which is quite deep. You might have to go away and think about that after your Sunday lunch. But this is true. And by the way, if something in, in your life doesn't add up to this, then you've got a choice. You can either try and change this, or you can try and change you. As for me, I've decided that I'm going to try, as near as I can, as uncomfortable as I, it, it makes me, to try and live by this truth. I'd love to be able to rip out a couple of the pages in here that make, make me feel quite uncomfortable. <laughs> in order to illustrate, I'm not going to do it, all right? But just, but, or, or tipics out a bit that make me feel, oh, I wish I didn't have to preach on that. But actually, the truth of it is, this is true. Yeah. It's truth. However, I can take you to churches not very far from here that this is all they talk about. It's the only thing that they've got. It's almost a kind of academic exercise. In fact, in Cardiff, which is, near where, which is where I live, um, there's a whole theology department in the University of Cardiff, and they study this book, and there isn't a single Christian on the faculty. They study it as an academic piece. Well, some churches are like that. They're reading this book like it's academic. And some of us are living our lives like this is academic as well. If it's true, we've got to do it. But we can't do it on our own. We can only do it with the help of the Spirit. Isn't it? And so those people who actually think that the Holy Spirit is only here to help us understand this a bit better have actually missed something out, haven't they? It's much more than that, hasn't it? It's an encounter with the living God. But here's the problem. I also go to churches where they're very big on the Holy Spirit and very low on this. Like, so it's all, it's all about the manifestation. It's, it, it, it's all about the show. And it's not about the truth. And true worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. And when? Now. Now. Today. Today. From that point when Jesus met that woman till today. It's still the same. We love it under an open heaven. When Jesus encountered the Holy Spirit, the heavens never closed again. They're here. So we need to be asking for that sort of encounter. So the Spirit is here. The truth is here. It's about us actually coming into line with it. If you're baptized in the Spirit, and of course you're all AOG, so can't, can't argue with it, can I? Wouldn't want to. Then all that stuff that it says, all that fruit of the Spirit, it's in you. It's in you, isn't it? You've got to have the joy. Tell your faces. You've got to have the joy. You, you, you've got to have all the different fruits of the Spirit. And so why do we sometimes not manifest it? Because we got other stuff in our lives that's actually pushing it down. We need to ask for that, those plugs to be released from the, so, so, that the, the, so that the fruit of the Spirit is so evident in us that people would be saying, there's something about you. There's something about you. And what is it about us? It's the Holy Spirit. And as a result of this, the, this woman who's been objectionable, objectionable, she's kind of an outcast in society, suddenly got, the scales fall off her eyes and she says, I know 
that the Messiah called Christ is coming and he'll explain everything to us. She's kind of getting there. She's edging, edging towards it. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Jesus, the king of the upside down kingdom, chooses not to tell his disciples, not even to tell his mom. He chooses to tell a Samaritan woman, it's me, hello, I'm the Messiah. It's incredible. And then the disciples, uh, they, they rejoin Jesus. I, 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 I won't be long now. I know I'm going on a bit, but I'm excited. I'm hope it, I hope it's okay. But, um, but it talks about the disciples rejoining Jesus. I, I just got a bit of revelation on this the other day that I just wanted to share with you. I've read this passage so many times. You know, Jesus went through Samaria. It's like not the normal thing to do. Like I said right at the beginning of my talk. But he knew why he was going. He was going to meet this woman. Do you know what's really impressive? The disciples followed him. They followed, they, these are guys that will have never been through this land before. They're like, no, not a chance. And then Jesus got up one morning. He's, been, he's met with the father. He comes down from the mountain. He said, right, boys, let's go to Samaria. And every one of them would have looked at each other. As he walked on ahead, you can imagine, they were all like, what the heck's going on here? Where are we going? And then somebody says, probably, probably Andrew said to Peter, Pete, you've got a big, you've got a big mouth. You, you ask him why we're going. And, and Peter says, there's not a chance I'm going to do that. I'm not asking him a question. It, it never goes well. Does it? When the, every time the disciples ask Jesus a question, it's like, strap in, boys. You're about to learn. <laughs> so the disciples, and it says, the disciples returned and were surprised to find Jesus talking with a woman. Oh, my word. That's like the biggest biblical understatement of all time in it. It's like, they're surprised. Oh, they look and they go, oh, no, he's, a, he's talking to a woman at the well. <laughs> And then they're saying, but it says, brilliant this. No one asked, why are you talking to her? <laughs> you know, for, for, because they're like, we don't want to know. We, just, we don't want to get the beating, you know. <laughs> and then he says, then leaving the water jar, the woman went back to town. And she said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I, I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Just, honestly, I'm so profoundly moved by this idea that this woman, this rejected woman, is so full of her encounter that she then has to go tell the very people who rejected her about the truth. If she didn't go, oh, well, I've got the truth and, and I'm, I'm keeping it to myself and that lot can go to hell. Which, in some context, by the way, sounds like I'm swearing. But sometimes, aren't we like that as Christians? We've got the truth. And every time we don't tell people, we're essentially saying, you can go to hell. Well, it's gone a bit quiet now. It's not the funny guy anymore. We have to tell people the truth. We have to always have, be prepared to... Just share the reason we've got hope in our heart. This Samaritan skeptic suddenly becomes 
the first missional evangelist. They, they, they go, she goes into town and, and, and people begin to pour out of their houses. And it, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. They believed in him because of her. Now, if she is this sinful woman that we believe that she could have been, or at least the rejected woman that we definitely know that she was, I want to say to you, what reason have you got not to tell your friends about Jesus? Like, what reason? Like, if she could do it, so could I. So could you. Do you know what? Here's the thing I want to say to you. If you can't just find it within you to share the love of that Jesus has given you. If, you. if you can't do that, I don't want to say, what sort of Christian are you? Because that's really harsh. And I want to be a pastor. But I do want to say to you, maybe at least you could bring them into a place where you know that they could come under the, uh, the, uh, the sound of the gospel. Yeah. Maybe at least if you, if you thought, do you know what? I don't know what I would say. Maybe you could bring them along. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, to, to a place where you know somebody you can trust is going to share it. And by the way, I just want to say this. You don't need to worry about the sensitivity of the preacher. Like, the, the, it's a great thing last night. You, you, you won't know this, no reason why you said, but I read all, all, all these women who, who came last night, many of them filled, filled cards in. They either gave comments or they said, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I've recommitted my life, or I want to know more. So, I was helping sort these out, but I couldn't stop reading the comments, right? And one of the comments was from a lady I'd only met once, and I met her that night. And she said, tonight was very emotional, and the stories were quite heart-wrenching. I'm interested to know if my friends were okay with it, okay? In other words, she was like really worried that maybe her non-Christian friends were offended, Oh, I thought, okay, what well, 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 Very next card I pick up was from somebody on her table. Thank you so much. The stories were so meaningful and so right and so appropriate to my life. Yeah. So I was able to go to the, because I, I knew her, I went and found her and I said, oh, hey, can I just have a word with you? I said, I read your comment about being a bit worried. Oh, you know, you know, I was. And I said, that's some great news. You don't have to be worried. Yeah, they loved it. They loved it, your friends. Do you know what? If people are actually going to uh, come to uh, an event and hear the gospel and they, de- uh, they reject it, that's not your problem. It's really not your problem. If they say, oh, well, you know, I didn't want to listen to him because he's, he's got tattoos on his arm. Or I didn't want to listen to him because he's a loud Mancunian like Andy Hawthorne. I didn't want to listen to him because he, he's an American. He's got uh, Ameri- What does he know? Do you know what? doesn't matter. Because the truth of it is, if it's your time, it's your time. If it, when somebody speaks the truth um, with, the, with the anointing power of the gospel, and, pe- and God is drawing people to himself, if some people say, do you know what? That's not for me. It's okay. And I want you to have such good friends that they don't reject you. I mean, I've got to be honest. If you take somebody to Festival of Manchester next week and they decide not to become a Christian and they don't speak to you again, you probably weren't that great friends with them at all. Okay? That's the truth of it. 
If however they go, do you know what? It's not for me. You just go, okay. Because yeah. that Jesus just kept, as that woman was using, objecting, objecting, he just kept saying, this is it, this is it, this is it. And at some point she went, wow. Yeah. And she became an evangelist. Yeah. She moved from being somebody who was broken to somebody who was made whole. And she began to draw people to them. And as a result of what, what she did, they experienced Jesus from them, themselves. And it said, they said, we no longer believe just because of what you said, but now we've heard it for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. They, remo- they moved beyond story to experience. They moved beyond salvation to discipleship. And, and, and I just love that. This is what's going to happen. This is what happened. This is your story, by the way. Once you were lost, and now you are found. One day, you met Jesus, and now you're disciples of Jesus. The, que- the only question that Jesus is asking us now is, what sort of disciple are you? Yeah. What sort of disciple are you? Uh, and the thing about disciples is, you need to be disciplined. And you need to do what he says. So let's, why don't we, go and make disciples of all Poynton. Why don't we go and make disciples of all of Greater Manchester, of all of Cheshire, of all of the nation and the nations. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.